progress. Okay, we're up to Daf. Ches Amid Beis. Bottom line, Amar Abaya. Another case. Ruvain Shemachar. Today's Daf is not too difficult. Ruvain Shemachar Sadel Shimon Ruvain sells a field to Shimon with no guarantee. Meaning, he sells a field to Shimon and he says, "Listen, if they take it from you, I'm not paying you. That's the deal." And before Shimon has paid for the land, he has not paid for it yet, uh, people are now coming forward and saying that it was never Reuven's to sell. They're claiming that it was never Reuven's. So now there's a dintaira about who actually owns it. Right? Reuven sold it to Shimon. He didn't pay for it yet. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, Levi shows up. He says, that's my land. And Reuven stole it from me. And now there's a question of who owns it. So the question is, can Shimon back out? Shimon wants to back out. He, he says, like, listen, I, uh, I don't want this headache. I just want to back out. He didn't pay for it yet. So, actually, if he did not make a Kenyan Chazaka, Kenyan Chazaka by a land means you do an act of acquisition. That's an act of ownership. If he did a Kenyan Chazaka, if he did not do a Kenyan Chazaka yet, he could back out because he didn't. Uh, now, what's the Chiddush? He didn't pay for it. He didn't do a Kenyan. The general rule is that when you give your word, we don't like you to back out. But over here, you can, give, you can back out because this is uh, too much of a headache. But once you did an act of acquisition, you can't back out. Ah, it's a mekach tois. He should say it's a mekach tois. No, you have to pay my time. You took an empty bag full of air. Meaning, when you buy land without a without uh without achrayis, without um, the other person taking a guarantee. When you buy land without a guarantee, you better look into it. You better make sure that there's no questions about it. And this is the risk that you took, so there's no backing out. Now, what's considered a chazaka? Mamus, I have a chazaka. What's considered a chazaka? Mechidai yesha mitzri. If he walks around the field, they would make this sort of a border, like a strip of land around the field, and the owner would walk around. So if you make a border and walk around the field, that's an act of ownership, and uh, that's it. Now, so once you do a kinyan, you can't back out. The question is, this is when the land had no guarantee. What if the land had a guarantee? So, when it's taken from Shimon, Shimon can then go to Reuven and say, I want my money back. Says the Gemara, if there's an achrayis, meaning that Shimon can get the money back from Reuven, that Shimon can back out even after he did a kidney chazaga. Why? Because he's going to get the money anyway. So, uh, no, it's, he can back out. Some say, no. Even if there's an achrayis, you can't back out after a guarantee. To Amrle, Achvi Terfach. He says, Vashamlach, show me the show me the guy who took it. Once they take it, I'll pay you back for it. Meaning, Shimon wants to just go to Reuben and say, Listen, let me get my money back. Because they they, they claim the, the land is theirs. And once they take it, I'm gonna get my money back from you anyway. So let's just back out. So the first opinion says you could. The second opinion says no. When Reuben could say to him, if they take the land from you, then I'll pay you back. Till then, you deal with the headache. Rav Huna, Rav Huna said like this. This we had a, a two dafim ago. We had a discussion whether a person, because the pasuk says meitav sedeyu, which implies you have to pay with land, but we also said that you could pay with bran. So which one is it? So Rav Huna says the following: Either the choice is land or cash. Those are the two choices. The problem is an obvious question. Didn't we just got finished saying two dafim ago that you could pay with bran? So you told me it's either land or cash. But now we're saying it's anything that has a value. So is it land or cash or anything? The answer is how come I skin in the Lesla? The answer is it's land or cash lichachila. If the guy doesn't have land or cash, then he could pay with chairs, he could pay with tables, he could pay with anything that has value. Uh either less like sheets. The Gemara says, Well, isn't that posh? Like the guy wants his money back, all he has is Cheerios. So he says, Fine, pay him in Cheerios. 
Isn't that obvious? The answer is mouth the same. You might think You might think no, he can't pay with chairs at tables. It's his responsibility to sell them and get cash. Meaning maybe I could demand I want cash or land and nothing else. Kamashwalan no. Kamashwalan. He's able to claim those things. The Gemara continues. Am Ravasi, Ksafim Harehin Kikarka. Now Ravasi says this cryptic line, which is, money is equivalent to land. Now in what regard, what was this referring to? Attempt number one, Lamai Hilchaza, Ilamilin Meitav. So maybe he's talking about Meitav, meaning that you could pay for Hezek either with land or cash, which is, we, we just got finished quoting Ravuna. Then Hainadu Ravuna, so what's Ravasi adding? Meaning, Ravasi says, land is the equivalent, cash is equivalent to land. So what halacha? If it means for payment, that's Ravuna. So shouldn't it just say, Ravasi should say, I agree with Ravuna. What's the Chiddush? So let's put that aside. Attempt number two at what Ravasi was referring to. The case is we have two brothers who divided an estate. One brother took land, the other brother took cash. That was how they split up the Yerusha. A creditor comes that the father owed money, and the halacha is that he could claim land. So he came, there's a lien on the property, he took the land. So you have Reuben and Shimon. Reuben took all the land, Shimon took all the cash. Reuben just lost his land. So what Ravasi is saying is that land is like, cash is like land, meaning that after Reuben loses his, loses his land, he can then go to Shimon the brother and say, listen, I lost my land. Well, you have the cash. We're going to resplit it. I want, I want the equivalent. Let's say the land was worth $10,000. I lost $10,000 of land. Give me $10,000 worth of cash. We're going to resplit it again. That the other brother takes the share um, with cash. So it's a pshita. It's poshid. High brother, high labra. They're both. They're both the children of the father. In Reuben, Shimon had a father, Yaakov. Yaakov owed money. Reuben took all the land. Shimon took all the cash. The guy that Yaakov owed money took the land from Reuben. So Reuben can then go to Shimon and say, "Listen, pay me cash. Make up for it." It's poshid. Why not? Reuben and Shimon are both responsible to pay for the father's money. It's not like Reuben is more responsible than Shimon. So yeah, it's poshid. So the the problem is that if that's what Ravasi meant, isn't it Pashit? What's interesting is it's either Pashit or wrong. The Gemara's first attempt is saying that it's so Pashit, Ravasi doesn't have to say. But Ikada Amri, and some say no Adarava. Not only is it not Pashit, it's wrong. Some say the opposite. If Reuven lost, if Reuven took the land and Shimon took the cash and a creditor took Reuven's land, Reuven cannot go to Shimon and ask for it back because Shimon could say, You took the risk. When you take cash and land, there's a risk. The cash, the risk, is it could be stolen, right? You could lose your money and, uh, uh, you know, someone could hack into your account. That's Shimon's risk. Reuven's risk of land is that a creditor can take it. The first shot is that Reuven can then go to Shimon and say, Give me the money. And we'll split it. That's the Gemara thought was so posh. No way he said that. And now the Gemara says, Ikadamri saying, Oh, not only is it not posh, it's not true. According to the Ikadamri, Shimon could say to Reuben, Listen, I took cash, which has its own risks. You took land. That's the risk you took. You took, you cook gamble. You took dad's lands, and it's gone. Bye bye. Sorry, I don't have to give you a penny. late. Shimon could say to Reuben, Listen, I took cash which is risky, because if someone comes and steals it, I'm out of cash. But you took land. And it got taken away. You're not coming to me. So according to this shot, Ravasi could not have been saying this because it's incorrect. So what was Ravasi referring to when he said that cash is like land? It could not be referring to this because it's not true. Rather, it's the following. You have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. Reuven took partial land partial cash. Shimon took partial land, partial cash. 
One of the creditors comes and takes some of the land. Now, unlike the last case where they split up land and cash, this, they both split up evenly. So Reuven lost a certain amount of money, $10,000 with the land. So now he goes to Shimon, he said, listen, I want some money back, but you don't have to give me land, you can pay me cash. That's what Ravasi is saying. The Chiddush is, you could pay cash and not land. The problem is, Ravasi had already said this. This is true, that's Ravasi Shita, but he had already said this. The Gemara says, the Itmar, the Brises teaches, you have brothers who split up an estate. Reuven takes partial land and partial cash, Shimon takes partial land and partial cash. The father's creditor comes and takes some land of Reuven. So now the question is, what does Reuven get? Rav says, here's what we do. We undo everything. Meaning, we undo this state, we re-split it up now that this land is taken away. Meaning, he feels that when that, that, that split up that we had is no longer viable. So if Reuven lost some land, we don't just have Shimon give him, we undo everything and restart. So that Reuven is taken, taken care of perfectly, we restart the whole thing. Shmuel is the opposite, he says, Vitar, no, Reuven can't claim anything. Meaning, he looks at it as, tough luck for Reuven. Someone took your land, sorry, you can't go to Shimon. And we'll explain in a moment why. And Ravasi, who he said before is saying that cash is like land, Ravasi feels that Shimon does not have to give him half of his estate, he doesn't have to give him that much, he gives him a quarter. Meaning, let's say Reuven lost all his land. He goes to Shimon. According to Ravasi, Shimon does not have to give him 50% of the land. They don't have to resplit it. He gives him a quarter. He could either give him a quarter of land or a quarter of cash. Boom. Now, start right here. The quarter part we'll figure out in a second, but you see that cash and land are, are, are interchangeable. So how could Ravasi have said that? He already said that once. He doesn't have to say it twice. Now, before we address the original question of what was Ravasi, Ravasi referring to, let's explain the shitas. Rav feels that once Ruvain's land was taken away, the father's the creditor, they redo everything. Why? He looks at them. This is a Yerusha. And therefore, once one of the estate was taken away, then you have to redo the Yerusha properly. Shmuel, Amar Vital Shmuel says, no, the opposite. When Reuven's land was taken away from him, he, tough luck. Why? He looks at brothers that split up an estate as more of a purchasing. Instead of Yerusha and Berera, he looks at it as a purchase. That Reuven and Shimon are sort of like buying land. Reuven's like, I purchased this, and Shimon's like, I purchased that. The problem is, it's like a purchase where it's like you bought land and then someone took it away from you, where normally you can go back to the first guy, but there is no first guy to go to because the father's dead. So it's 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 considered a purchase, but it's like a purchase that, without a guarantee, it's a purchase. So if Reuven lost something, there's no one to turn to. Ravasi says you split it, you, you don't give him 50% of the, of the land, you don't split it 50-50, you give him a quarter. Why? Ravasi, He's not sure who's right. If Rav is right that Reuven is entitled to 50% of the entire estate, if Shmuel is right that Reuven is entitled to nothing, so because it's either zero, it's either 50% or zero, what do you do when you're not sure? Split it, 25%. So the question is, if Ravasi is saying that, he already said that once. So what was Ravasi referring to when he said that land is like cash? Rather, go back to the original shot. When Ravasi said the land is like cash, what he meant is, for paying Hezek, Meitav means either cash or land. I, we said, that's Rav Huna. I, and if Ihachi, Rav Huna, the question is, then why does he have to say that? It's Mamash what Rav Huna says. The answer is, 
What he meant is when he said that this is Ravuna, it means you'd have to say, you're right, he's saying exactly what Ravuna said. That where Ravasi says that this halacha, he was not adding anything of his own. The Ravasi and Ravuna agree with each other. Okay. Let's go back there. The Gemara says like this. When you spend a mitzvah, you have to spend up to a third of your money. Now, what does that mean? My shlish, what does that mean? Go to the next page. If it means a third of your entire estate, meaning your entire net your net value, you have to spend a third on a mitzvah. The problem is, that means if you have to spend a third on a mitzvah, that means after three mitzvahs, you got no money. A third on esrig, a third on tzitzis, a third on tefillin, you have no cash. It doesn't make any sense. You know what it means? How much do you have to spend to make a hider mitzvah? Let's say you have a choice. You could have a kosher sefer Torah at $10,000, or you could have got a really beautiful sefer Torah at twenty. Now that's 10 to 20 is a 100% markup. The halacha is you're only obligated to spend a third. So if the difference, you know, if the difference between a kosher sefer Torah and a hider sefer Torah is a third, then you, you should go up, but past that you're not obligated. Now the Gemara has a kasha, Boyravashi Shlish Milagav Shlish Milabar is a third from the inside of the outside. What that means is let's say a kosher sefer Torah is worth six thousand dollars, but a hidder sefer Torah is more, so how much do you have to spend? A third. Now is it a, so a third of six is two thousand, so that means six thousand is the minimum. You have to go up to eight thousand. That's one way to calculate it. Another way to calculate it is a third after it's done, meaning that if you start at six thousand, you'll end with that, that you've added a third to the outside of the number. It's basically two different ways to calculate it. At 6,000, one way is to say, well, add a third internally. A third of six is two, so that's 8,000. Or say no, 6,000 will end up becoming 9,000. And then you have added a third to the overall number. You started at six, you added a third, and it turned into nine. That's $3,000. It's two different ways to calculate it. It'll come up a lot in Bamatsia. So the Gemara is not sure how do you calculate a third teku, we're not sure. They said, You're obligated to spend a third of your own money. But if you spend more than a third, that's Mishal Kadish Baruch. That Hashem will pay you back. That Hashem will pay you back. In this world, meaning, in, in this world. Up to a third, you're not going to pay back in this world because that's mitzvah. That's, that's what you got to do. And you don't get rewarded for uh, you know keeping Torah mitzvahs in this world. It's in the next world. But if you go above a third, that in this world Hashem will reimburse you. Okay. Fine. Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this. Kol shechavti bishmirasai. Any time I'm obligated to guard, let's say, my bar, my shar, my esh from doing damage, and I caused the damage by not guarding it properly. Whether I was completely negligent or partially negligent, I have to pay full. Meaning, even if I'm partially, and we'll see what the case is partial, I have to pay full. Now, when do you have to pay? You have to pay when it's an item that has no meal, meaning, i.e., you only have to pay when it's personal items, not when it belongs to the base of Mikdash. The Gemara will go through. This is only true if it belongs to a Jew, because the items that belong to a guy have different halachas. 
This is only when the item belongs to someone. If you're mazik hefker, you don't have to pay. Bechol makim, you're only obligated to pay if it's in any in any place. Chutz mazik, unless the item went into your backyard. Meaning, let's say my ox gored someone, so I'm chayiv. Unless it gored someone in my backyard, because what are you doing in my backyard? You break into someone's backyard and then the animal gores you. You don't have to pay. Vereshus hanizik v'hamazik. And any premises that belongs to both, the Gemara will explain what that means. You have to pay with Meitav. The Mishnah says that I'm Chayiv even if I'm only partially uh, responsible. What's an example of partial responsibility? What's the example? Let's say I gave an ox or a pit, and I put it in the responsibility of a Chayrish Shaitav and then a damage happens, I have to pay. Because why am I giving it to these people that are not capable of, they're not mentally capable, I shouldn't have done that. Now it's not full negligence, but it's partial negligence. Now here's the Chiddush. If I gave them fire, and then a fire happens, I'm not obligated. Now what's the case? There's basically two options. Either I gave them a full fire, a torch, full ready to damage. The equivalent by that would be an open pit or an ox without any, you know, muzzle on it. Now, if I gave them items that are ready to do damage, then it doesn't make sense. Why is it I'm chayiv if the ox gores? I'm chayiv if the ox bites. I'm chayiv if someone falls into the pit. But I'm not chayiv if they make a fire. What's the difference? Everything is ready. The damage is ready. And if you're telling me that the bar is covered, and the ox is muzzled, and the fire is just a coal, so it's not ready to do damage, then I should be potter. I mean, in other words, I should always be chayv or always potter. What is the scenario that there's a distinction between fire and nuts? The Gemara says, what's the case? If you say that the ox is tied up, so it can't do damage right now, and the pit is covered. So when you gave it over to them, you know, I should be potter. What's the case by fire? It's, there's no fire, it's just a coal. And they uncovered the pit, or they blew on the coal, or they untied the ox, then what's the difference? I should be potter in both cases. I didn't do anything wrong. Why would I think that they're going to do this? So you, what do you have to say? The cases where the ox is unchained, the pit is uncovered already, and with the fire, it's a fire. And you're chayv because you gave them something that's ready to do damage. But then... And why you putter by the fire? You gave him a full fire. It's bari hezeka. It's, it's hezek is is very readily readily apparent. So the Gemara gives two explanations. Really, the case is that the ox is tied up, and the pit is uncovered, is covered, and I'm putter. I'm chayiv. We'll see in a moment. And the case of the fire is I gave him just a coal. So why am I chayv? Because why, why would I think that he's going to make a fire? So I'm potter because that's that's I didn't do it. I was no 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 negligence. But then why am I chayv by the pit? The answer is It's it's common for an ox to even if he's tied up to like knock himself out and get himself uncovered, and and it's and gacheles uh, and bar is darkly and it's normal when people walk the vibrations of their walking could uncover the pit. Therefore, it's considered negligence. But But when it comes to fire, coals naturally go out on their own. So, no negligence on that part. That would be the distinction. 
or Lord of Yochan and Darmafilu Masa Le shall have his Nami Potter, the Gavasa Hakashar Mutter, Barmagula, Maishnacha Mashaha. Rav Yochan actually feels that even if you gave him a fire, it's it's Potter. What's the difference? Hasam Tsafta the Kherish Kagar. Over there, when you give someone a fire, while it could do damage right away, you still need the Kherish to direct where the fire to go. You still have to take that torch and put it by like a tree. But the pit, if it's uncovered, in the case according to Rav Yochanan, the Cherish Kagarim. Uh, we'll stop here. The case according to Rav Yochanan is that the, the 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 fire is completely exposed, the pit is open, and the ox is ready. What's the difference? The ox and the pit Yechayev because they're ready to fight right away. They're ready to do damage. The fire your potter because you still need the Cherish to direct where the fire to go. We'll stop here. We'll pick it up uh, next time.